could he do that? Are you on What? Charles Darwin. Welcome everybody back into Nerd Sesh. As always, I'm Carson Braver, and alongside me is Logan Camden. And today, Logan, we've got a whole lot to talk about because, as always, just had some fun NFL action last night. Actually, probably not the most fun if we're being honest, but NFL action nonetheless. So today, we'll talk a bit about what we saw in that Panthers-Texans game. We'll talk about just some of our overall takeaways from around the league now that we are three weeks deep. And then we will look ahead to some of the action that we have this coming week. But let's start with that game last night, though. Sort of, again, maybe not the most significant, maybe not the most compelling, but what did we see in that game that you think actually matters that stands out to you? Well, uh, you know, something that really stands out to me, Carson, uh, something I've been doing on this uh, show basically every time we come on air, i got to admit I'm wrong. And uh, it's just that this Panthers defense is so good, bruh. And I know mm-hmm. I, I feel like I've... I was just so off on them, man. Like, right now, they are the number one ranked defense by, you know, points per game. And, you know, granted, they've played quarterbacks like Zach Wilson and Davis Mills. So, you know, I don't think we can say they're the league's best defense definitively. But they completely shut down Jameis. They allowed the Saints to get six total first downs in that game. And it's because of this, you know, immense pressure that you expected and anticipated in the preseason, Carson. I think Brian Burns and Hassan Reddick will end as a top three pass rushing duo to end the season. They could be the best pass rushing duo in all of football uh, by year's end. I just anticipate... Um, you know, I anticipate T.J. Watt and company being up there. I also anticipate mm-hmm. Chandler Jones and the Cardinals pass rush to also be up there. But I expect them to be a top three duo. Brian uh, Reddick has four and a half sacks already. Burns has three. Morgan Fox is an amazing supporting piece. Um, and it's not just the pressure, though, man. I mean, they've got the number one third down defense in the NFL. They are good at getting teams off of the field. Mm-hmm. They're the number one defense against the run. That's underrated. Again, maybe they haven't faced the most tantalizing, you know, talented backfields yet, but they're still great against the run. Derek Brown has had a massive role in that. And, I mean, just overall, they're great on all three levels. They, they're they great at the point of attack and a point of attack and getting pressure. They're great in the middle of the field with their interior D linemen like Brown and Shaq Thompson patrolling the middle of the field. And on the back end, uh, even with the injury to J.C. Horn, uh, they've got a very talented secondary, Jeremy Chin and uh, company. I just... I am super high on the Panthers' defense. I completely whiffed. Uh, I said this to you before the show, Carson. It feels like I'm a walking, freezing cold take. Yeah, I didn't uh, care for that negativity. I like that. Thanks, man. Yeah, that means a lot. But yeah. I was completely wrong on the Panthers. And, uh, you know, we can talk about the offensive side of the ball uh, here in a minute. Uh, but this Panthers' defense is legit, and uh, I completely whiffed on them. Yeah, big whopping swing and a miss from you. But, hey, it happens to the best of us. Look, I'm the resident Panthers guy here on Nerd Sesh, all right? And, yes... I will say that I kind of anticipated this ferocious pass rush, and I identified that last year they had two guys who were among the top 15 players in the league in pressures and looked at some of the talent elsewhere on that line and Derek Brown and just the developing youth of this group, and I was very optimistic about what they could do defensively. However, I know a lot of people are super amped about the Panthers right now, and they have had three convincing wins. That Jets game ended up being one possession, but they have not played a competitive game up to this point. They have been firmly in control of each one. This one, honestly, was probably the most competitive in that it was a one-point game at halftime and this Panthers offense couldn't get going for a while. But I have to say, while I am not losing faith in this pass rush whatsoever, I don't like this offense. I still don't like this offense. And I know that Sam Darnold has probably overachieved my expectations for him, But here's the thing. 
I talked about how I thought the Panthers were going to be this great pass rush and a top 10 defense and all that, and I still picked them to win seven games. And why did I do that? Largely, it was a lack of faith in Sam Darnold. Clearly, he is not the player that we saw in New York, and that he is more confident, he is more comfortable, he's able to make easier decisions, easier throws. His job has just been simplified, and he's doing a good job accordingly. But I also don't think that he's had any sort of mind-blowingly impressive performances. Like, he's thrown a couple nice balls downfield, but for the most part, he's kind of just making very standard, average NFL quarterback throws. And that's probably enough for this to be a solid offense, which is probably enough for them to be a good team, given how great the defense is. The issue, though, is now you have Christian McCaffrey out for a few weeks with a hamstring injury. And in this game, I can't say that I was impressed by this Panthers offense. Against the Jets, not a particularly good defense. We only saw them put up 19. Against the Saints, they put up 26 in total, but that was with a whole lot of chances at it because New Orleans could not do anything offensively. And then in this one, you have a touchdown at halftime, and frankly, this offensive line was eaten alive at various points. Sam Darnold had two fumbles in this game, not really by any fault of his own, but because that pass rush was getting home on him in a few situations which is not really what you want to see against the Texans. So if they don't have their ultimate safety valve in Christian McCaffrey, who had 14 catches through two weeks and obviously is their best option on the ground and all these things, I just worry, even though we saw Darnold play a good second half without McCaffrey, how sustainable is that? Like if this becomes a passing offense and you don't have that same threat on the ground, I just don't know how good it can really be, and I'm not overly optimistic about that. I'd say you're generally correct uh, with, with this take. I mean, so much of this Matt Rule offense is designed through play action, uh, you know, simple reads, a lot of, you know, rollout mm-hmm. play action stuff that isn't going to be there with McCaffrey because he does um, he does open up a lot of stuff for this offense, even if it is just a, you know, a play action on a halfback dive and that pass rush gets home. Well, guess what? Darnold can just dump it off to McCaffrey. We saw that a lot in the Jets game. We saw that in a lot in this first half against the Texans. Mm-hmm. The one thing I'll push back on, though, Carson, I thought Sam Darnold has done an exceptionally well job at, at dealing with the pressure that he's faced against the Jets, mm-hmm. against the Texans, um, and moderately against the Saints. Uh, but but I think you're right with the general overall take. Sam Darnold's job is not that hard here in Carolina. It is a lot of simple read stuff. This Matt Rule offense, I think, could really work with basically any quarterback. And I mean, we kind of saw that with Teddy Bridgewater mm-hmm. last year. Like it wasn't, Bridgewater was not doing mind-blowing stuff. It was simple reads. It was rollouts. It was wide open guys because of that threat on the ground, because of the deception in this offense. So, I, but it's been promising for Darnold. I think that's the thing that you take away from this, Carson. I think that we have to be, I think you have to be optimistic that we're just, you know, we're seeing Sam Darnold's confidence being built back up. That to yeah. me is promising. I think you're right, though. I think we should expect. I think we should expect regression from this Panthers team. Like I think, like these next few weeks, like they're taking on a pretty bad Cowboys, Eagles, and Vikings. I mean, actually, I mean their next five weeks, it's all pretty porous defenses. Mm-hmm. I guess what I'll ask you though is, like, do you expect major regression, even though they're playing some poor defenses over this next five weeks, or do we expect the Panthers to kind of just, you know, keep trudging along? I think that they lose this week at Dallas. I just don't think they can hang in a shootout like that. And I think that's what we're going to see. Unless they are forcing multiple turnovers, getting five-plus sacks against a legitimately good offense, it's going to be rough. And that's the thing. Through three games, they have faced two of the absolute worst offenses in all of football and two of the absolute worst, at this point, quarterbacks in all of football. Getting to match up against Zach Wilson in his first-ever start and Davis Mills and poor offensive lines... All around, it's kind of been a dream for them to show, hey, this is what we can do. 
And now, again, maybe these aren't elite all-around teams in Dallas and Philly and Minnesota, but they're teams that have shown that they can move the ball, particularly the Cowboys. Like, you're not forcing Dak into a whole bunch of mistakes. I don't know that you're dominating at the line of scrimmage every time out. I don't know that you're going to be completely able to stop the run with the two-headed monster that they have there and the threat of the passing game that is ever-present. So I just think this is probably as high as people are going to be on the Panthers unless Sam Darnold takes his game up another level. Because I can't criticize him. I don't think he's done anything poorly. I think you're right. He's managed the game well. You talk about him being mobilized outside the pocket and rollout stuff. He's even made some plays with his feet. We saw the rushing touchdown in this last one, and he was willing to try to do that. Nothing major, but he's a good athlete, and we've known that. And it's a lot easier to have him demonstrate that when he's not playing for the New York Football Jets. So all of that is great. He is a good enough quarterback for them to be an 8 or 9 win team. I don't think, though, that there's enough offensive talent in this group for them to go all that much higher than that. And also, as we touched on last show, the schedule down the stretch this Mm -hmm. year is brutal. The first half offers a lot of winnable games, sure. But after that, you're looking at going to Arizona, playing the Patriots, going to Miami, going to Buffalo, two games against the Bucs, going to New Orleans. And I don't know that they're going to find that rematch quite as comfortable as the first go-around was. So I think they're a solid football team. I think it's a really, really good defense. The loss of J.C. Horn hurts, though. He had been impressive for a rookie in his first few outings. And so there's still talent. There's still feist on that defense. And I still think it'll be a competent offense, but not a dynamic one whatsoever because they hadn't even been that through three weeks. And that was with their 2,000-plus yard from scrimmage guy and clear far-and-away best offensive player. Yeah, I mean, I think both uh, both losses on both sides of the ball are significant. You know, We've already discussed yeah. McCaffrey, but, dude, Horn— it, granted, this is on a six-target sample size. Is a you know is allowing a, a passer rating of two point eight, a completion percentage of thirty-three point three percent, and both of the completions that have been made on him have been for zero yards. Like mm-hmm. you look at the advanced defense numbers, J.C. Horns could be a massive loss for this secondary, um, and could you know prove to be the only hole in that team. I think the McCaffrey one hurts a lot worse though, and I think we see this. Honestly, Carson, I think we see this offense get exposed a little bit next week because. Uh, even for Dallas, mm-hmm. they've got a really good corner, and in, in, you know, in Trayvon Diggs, I think he's gonna he's gonna be able to slow down some of these uh, really talented wideouts on the back end. But I think the thing that's gonna be you know a bigger issue is, however, the Dallas Cowboys choose to utilize Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence. Like you're not gonna have to worry about McCaffrey out of the backfield. Mm-hmm. You're not gonna have to worry about that threat of you know Darnold just being able to dump something off. Darnold is gonna yeah. have to carry this offense, and I don't know. I think. I think you're right. I think we probably see this first loss in some regression. Well, and I think a huge aspect of this is when you lose Christian McCaffrey, you're not just losing a highly efficient runner. You're losing maybe the most valuable receiver on your team. And last year, we saw the Panthers kind of able to survive that. Obviously, weren't as good as they would have hoped to be, not as good as they hoped to be this year. But Mike Davis was such a good receiving back that he certainly wasn't McCaffrey level, but he gives you 60 catches on the year. And so even though he's not an efficient runner, you're like, hey, we're supplementing some of that value. Now, Chuba Hubbard, talented football player, sure, but we have not seen him utilized as a receiver like that. And he got some targets in this one, but I just don't think that's his skill set. And that is very damaging because even though there are talented downfield receivers here, you need that quick-hitting safety valve that's fundamental to what they do, and they don't have that, in my opinion, anymore. 
No, and I just want to touch on the Hubbard point. No, dude, Chuba has looked like flat out bad in in the touches that we've seen him get here in Carolina. Like, I, I kind of took the temperature around the Panthers fan base of, you know, what they expect. No, Chuba has borderline sucked through, you mm-hmm. know, three games and what we've seen at him on the field. Like, it's not just a, you know, a slight downgrade. It is a massive downgrade. Yeah. yeah. And you can be a member of the whole running backs don't matter crew or whatever, but running backs who can make a lot of plays as a receiver undoubtedly do. And when you lose that and all of a sudden you don't have anybody to fill that gap, that's going to hurt you. So I don't have anything to say about the Texans. I mean, it's going to be really, really hard for them to win any games without Tyrod Taylor if you're trotting Davis Mills out there. And by the way, I said on last show that Tyrod, it was reported he was day-to-day. Next thing we know, he's on the IR. So things change fast in the NFL. That poor guy, he's had some tough luck. Anything for you on the Houston Texans? Like you said. Good job by their pass rush. I kind of like what we saw out of them moderately in their pass protection. Mm-hmm. Whatever. It's the Houston Texans. All right, so let's broaden our scope here and just ask some of the pressing questions on our mind. The Panthers are now the only 3-0 and team in football, but we do still have a handful of 2-0 and teams, so we're going to try to continue to extend that this weekend. Out of that group, who do you think is the least impressive or even more aggressively most fraudulent team out of that group the undefeated squad well we already touched on them if i had to pick one to be honest with you i'd probably go with carolina at this point Mm. after the loss of mccaffrey just because i think we should expect that massive offensive regression to me carson it's pretty simple i narrowed it down to two teams i think you know i'd say the cardinals the rams the bucks uh and broncos are all off the hook for me Mm -hmm. the two teams would have to be uh you know the bay area's finest the niners and the former bay area finest in the uh, las vegas raiders the oakland Uh, raiders i think you mean ah yeah i think i mean the los angeles raiders right yeah shout out my 1980s raiders fans um it's just this back end of this raiders defense you know you lose jonathan abram uh or he's expected to be back but i mean he is the secondaries look spotty and i just think we're gonna see Regression as a whole from this defense, and I don't expect it to be anytime soon because you look at their matchups in the next three weeks. I don't expect Jacoby Brissett and the Dolphins to really do anything. I expect this pass rush to get home, torture Jacoby, and honestly, Carson, I'm expecting a dominating win over Miami. Really? I don't expect this game to be close. I think the offense blows them out of the water. I think Derek Carr eats. So I don't think they get, get exposed you know, relatively anytime soon. I think they probably eat on the Chargers, too, in Los Angeles. Mm. Maybe they beat up on the Bears. I don't expect to be anytime soon, but I don't think that we saw this last year. You know, like with, with this John Gruden team, like we saw this offense dominate the first half of this season and then utterly collapse. They fooled me last year, and I don't want to get fooled again. Like I think they probably, you know, continually put up twenty-five to thirty points a game, and I'm going to hop on this Derek Carr MVP wagon. As this, <laughs> yeah, it's weird to say. As the schedule gets gradually harder, you take on the Chiefs, a actually competent offense in the Cowboys, a tough defense in the football team. You take on the Chiefs again, the Browns. I expect the Raiders to, you know, just kind of fall back to mediocrity mm-hmm. on this back half of the season because of this defense. And I don't know. We saw it last year, and I just yeah. don't really think that there's been that much turnover to expect anything different on the back half of this year. I really agree. I think that you and I were both intoxicated by this <laughs> Vegas offense last year, and they started the year six and three, and they were just slinging the ball around, and they were dynamic. And they had that really impressive win at Kansas City. And they were just balling offensively. But the issue is down the stretch, after that 6-3 and start, here are their points allowed total in each game. 35, 43, 28, 44, 30, 26, 31. 
And I just don't have faith that that group is genuinely significantly improved. Now you have a coaching change, which is going to help because at least you don't have Paul Gunther out there anymore. And I do think that there is talent on this pass rush on this front, but I don't know if they're going to be an above-average defense. So I think that they're a solid all-around team. I wouldn't go as far as to call them fraudulent, especially because Mm -hmm. that Baltimore win was really impressive. And the Steelers win, maybe not as much so, but you're beating a team that's probably going to be around 500 at the least. So I'm not as confident in you as far as the blowout factor goes against Miami because even though they have put up points on what we expect to be two good defenses thus far, that Miami defense is really strong, and I don't think Jacoby (laughs) Brissett is a downgrade whatsoever. What? The defense is strong after they allow 35 points to a Buffalo Bills team that where Josh Allen didn't even, like, play well? Logan, they allowed 35 points because they gave the offense 8,000 chances to score. Like, that is the ultimate example of your offense screwing your defense. Carson, that matters. That offense has not shown up these first two weeks. Yeah, but I think that if you're looking at an opportunity for them to improve, oh wow, you have to go up against the New England Patriots, you have to go up against the Buffalo defense that is playing very, very well, and then you get the Raiders? Yeah. That, to me, is certainly a more favorable matchup. Whatever. Two really good pass rushes in these first two weeks. The Raiders' pass rush is going to get home just as easily. It's not the pass rush. It's the three levels of defense. In fact, I would argue the pass rush is probably the weak link for both the Pats and the Bills, but it's still good because... The second level and the third level are outstanding. Yeah, I mean, but when you're giving the Raiders your, don't have that. When you're giving your quarterback a second and a half to get rid of the football, I get what you're saying, and I I agree with both points that you have made. That they're not the strong suits of the Bills or the Patriots defense. What I'm saying is, the Dolphins have given Tua and Jacoby the least amount of time to throw of any team in the NFL this season, and that matters. And that is going to con- that is going to happen again when they take on in Vegas in. In Vegas, this pass rush is going to get home just as easily, and they are going to cause them problems. They are going to get that offense off the field just as easily, give the Raiders a ton of opportunities to score, and I just don't think anybody in the NFL can slow down the, the Raiders' offense. Like I, That's why I expected this to be a blowout. I just don't totally agree. I think that the Dolphins' offense has been abysmal in every way through two games, but I think that this is an opportunity for them to possibly establish the run more, to rely on that, which they haven't been able to do thus far. And I just think we're going to see them open up things a little bit. Like, Brissett is going to make some plays. It's not a good offense, but it's not a good Raiders defense, though, in my opinion. Well, I know I agree with the point you've made about the run. I mean, the Raiders have been abysmal against the yeah. run this season. So, I mean, if it's just you're trusting a shoddy Miami offensive line who has failed to do that thus far, and you're trusting what, Miles Gaskin? Like, I don't know, bro. I hey, just... Miles Gaskin is good, dude. That guy's a playmaker. He's elusive. He's really talented. And he was having a phenomenal year last season before injury. So I'm a believer. I mean, it's not going to be a walk in the park for them. But if you're looking at a four and a half point spread for the Raiders, I don't love that. I think we're going to see a little bit of regression from Vegas. And I think that Miami can only go up from what we've seen. Oh, Dude, I really want to put a taco bet on this game. We can do you that still, if you want. You still do owe me some tacos, bruh. Yeah, and you owe me some because you bet that I wouldn't eat three cartons of blueberries oh, in so five we, days. So we've X that out. So basically they cancel out. Miraculously, Logan, we canceled out. You want an actual game on a football. You want to bet on a football game. I want to bet on my blueberry consumption. So we'll do the tiebreaker here on this against the spread game. I say I'm taking the Raiders all day. If you want to stick with the Dolphins, you can. 
Okay, I will stick with the Dolphins. I'll put three quesadillas down on it. All right, I don't know how we got so deep into the weeds with this game. I guess we got a little jump on the preview content there. And what's ironic is we agree that the Raiders are a candidate here. What I will say, though, is if we're going to put this into a separate category of team we expect to drop off the Mm -hmm. most versus team that has just been least impressive, I think the Niners have been the least impressive 2-0 team. I completely agree. You're looking at narrow margins of victories against a Lions team, first of all, that never should have been in that game. And the second half from San Francisco was brutal, kind of on both ends, and really in special teams as well. And then that Eagles game, as we touched on last week, they probably shouldn't have won. Like, Philly was moving the ball. They had the touchdown called back. They had the block field goal. They had the ball on the San Francisco three, and they couldn't punch that in. And the Niners really could not throw the ball with a great deal of success in that game. So... That, to me, is the group that I'm looking at and saying, I still see all this talent, but you need to do more for me. Whereas the Raiders, it's like, hey, you've done all you can. You've already raised expectations, but I don't know how sustainable this is. No, I mean, I think you're exactly right. And I think the big thing is, one, uh, you touched on this after the Lions game, the holes in this secondary. It is a young group. They are an unproven group. Mm -hmm. And Jared Goff carved them up. Like, Let's not try to paint a picture that, that isn't there. Like, Goff carved this squad up. I think the more concerning thing, though, is what we've seen uh, on the ground. Like, this 49ers run defense has been hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you have Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift. Like, they didn't dominate the Niners on the ground, but they you know, were able to just get consistent runs. And, again, that matters. But against the Eagles, the Eagles are a unique group, again, because you have a dynamic quarterback like that in Jalen Hurts, mm-hmm. which is why their run defense was so poor. That matters. They weren't able to contain him. They weren't able to contain Miles Sanders. Like, and this offense has just been average. Like, I just... Again, like you said, it's not like I expect this continually through the Niners' season. I, I expect at some point for this team, this group, to pick it up and return to some form of status we've seen over these past few seasons. But through two weeks, this pass defense has been borderline mediocre. This rush defense has been borderline horrible. And this offense has been average. Like, I have been completely underwhelmed by this team. And I, again, I don't want to get too into the weeds on preview content. I expect Aaron Rodgers to absolutely shred this team. For the record, Miles Gaskin last year... Over 900 yards from scrimmage. Sorry. Timeout. Miles Sanders. Sorry. No, no. I'm talking about Miles Gaskin. Bro, how have you gotten back to the Dolphins? Because I just decided that I wasn't satisfied (laughs) with where that conversation ended. 970 yards from scrimmage in 10 games. And this year, when he's actually gotten the ball, been super efficient. 5.3 yards per carry. And he's caught nine balls. So, look. I'm just saying, if you lean on him a little bit more offensively, if you put yourself in a position to where you're not having to chase from behind and you're not going up against a great run defense, I think that guy is going to turn some heads. That's what we do, Logan. I'm not going to just let something die if I don't feel that it's come to the conclusion I want. So there you go. A Miles Gaskin tidbit for you. All right. One more discussion here before we go to break, Logan. We talked about the least impressive of the undefeated teams. Again, those squads who have kind of been launched into prominence. Let's go on the flip side of that for some players. Who are some underrated guys in your eyes who have balled out and just kind of flown under the radar? Well, the first guy I want to touch on, I don't think he's flown under the radar. I think everybody kind of knows how dominant he's he's been, but I want to give him some just some credit because mm-hmm. I just feel like he's, he's still been moderately overlooked here. Uh, and that's Jalen Johnson. Uh, he was my breakout performer uh, in the preseason for the Bears. I expected, you know, a massive jump from him. He was great at Utah. He had a solid rookie campaign, 56.4 opponent completion percentage. It was 25th best in the league in his rookie year. This season, Carson, 
Artie's got an interception, an opposing passer rating of you know 2.8, an opposing completion percentage of 33.3%. He's allowed. I know I've, I've already said mentioned this earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, three catches on nine targets for just 22 yards. And it's not just like his numbers, bro. Guys don't target him. Guys don't throw down field on him. Like, when they are targeting him, it's on mostly underneath zone stuff. And, and they've been tough matchups, dude. First week against the Rams, you're taking on, you know, wherever you're lining up, it's Cooper Cup, it's Robert Woods. And Cooper Cup ate, but it wasn't on him. Against the Bengals, Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase, uh, T. Higgins. Like, they have been against some of the most talented receiving groups in the NFL. And he has dominated. And he's a big part of why I expect, you know, a jump from this Bears defense. You know, they've got a decent pass rush. They've got a guy who rovers in the middle of the field, Roquan Smith. And they've got a shutdown corner on the outside. Um, It's been a struggle, obviously, when you go against the Rams. And it was kind of a gritty game against Cincinnati. Mostly because of that offense. The defense looked great throughout. Um, Jalen Johnson has been a big part of why this Bears defense has been so dominant, and I expect this, the Bears defense to be one of the best on the back half of the season. But he has, I again, I expected him to break out, but he has absolutely blown me away. Uh, and I think he's one of the best corners in the NFL this year. Love it. Excellent take. I'm going to give my first shout-out to actually a pair, maybe even a group of players. And I don't know that they're underrated, or super underrated at least, but the Cardinals' weapons have just been so mind-blowingly good. And I'm not going to focus on a D-hop or whatever, or even a Chase Edmonds, just because as far as maybe fantasy outlook, people are like, hey, he's going to get a whole lot of touches, and we know what he can do as a receiver. Those guys are studs. A.J. Green has had some really good moments, but Christian Kirk has been really good and consistent and has two touchdowns and over 130 yards thus far. And Rondale Moore has just been outstanding, dude. Like, every time that guy touches the ball, I think something electrifying is about to happen. You just don't get playmakers in space like that very often. And so you throw that group together, that's five dudes. And so the reason I feel comfortable saying that maybe they are underrated is that might be the best top five weapons in all of football. Like, genuinely. I don't know who's competing. I don't know who's... Fifth option is as good as whoever you want to take out of that pick. And not to mention that you do have a great receiving back like Edmonds out of that group. Like, it's just outstanding. And against the Vikings, it was just like, Kyler is obviously freakish, but he just has this menu of options where all these guys can be just as exciting and dominant as he can in their respective one-on-one matchups. That offense is just going to be elite, dude. And I don't know what's stopping it. The only thing is maybe turnovers, but... They're going to be able to run the ball with Kyler and Edmonds, and Lord knows they're going to be able to throw it to a whole lot of different players really on every level of the field. So, again, maybe not the most underrated, but boy, have they been impressive. I mean, phenomenal take. I mean, like, who has the who has the weapons in a secondary to guard all of those guys? Nobody. You just don't. Yeah. it's The Cardinals are, are sick. Um, my, my second guy is a, a guy that was a former Pittsburgh Steeler um, and I, I used to bang on the drum for him back when he was in Pittsburgh. I've been banging on the drum for him now that he's moved to a different town in Pennsylvania, in Philadelphia. Uh, it's Javon Hargrave. And mm-hmm. I love this kid, man. Like, I can't, he's so criminally underrated every year. I feel like nobody talks about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, already, he's got four pressures and two sacks through two games. Again, maybe not overwhelming numbers, but again, it's from the interior, dude. It, the, the Eagles were able to get consistent pressure on Garoppolo, they were able to get consistent pressure. Um, you know, on Matt Ryan, and he's a big part of why the Eagles' defense is number two in the league right now. It's why mm-hmm. they have been able to get 
like, you know, people look at Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham and just kind of think, oh, legacy, you know, that's why they're, uh, why the, this pass rush is so dominant. No, dude, mm-hmm. Hargrave was awesome last year. He's awesome again this year. I miss him a lot in Pittsburgh, dude, but I, he would be successful anywhere. Hargrave's just a beast, dude, and, uh, Nobody talks about him. No, they all overlook him on this Philadelphia defense. He's not just a cog on the machine. He's a reason that they are so dominant. So uh, shout out to him, man. He has been he's so much fun to watch. Just just go watch some some Javon Hargrave interior D lineman highlights if you're bored. The kid's a beast. Excellent take. And I think he was one of the standout performers in week one with a couple of sacks as Philly just dominated that Atlanta offense. But even this past week. Ends up with seven tackles, two tackles for loss from the interior, a quarterback hit. Like, the dude has been super productive, and you said it. Maybe doesn't have the same name recognition, but has been as good as anybody on that front this year. And I want to touch on something for the team. Carson, the Eagles, as a team, have the second least uh, blitzes in the NFL this year and the second least blitz percentage. And they are still, again, they're not one of the dominating you know, pass mm-hmm. rushes in the league this year. But they're average. And mm-hmm. when you're average with that least amount of blitzes, it's all from the interior in your front yeah. three and front four. And it's mostly because of him. I just I don't think his impact on the game can be understated. Excellent choice. I want to just briefly go back to my Cardinals thing because I didn't even shout out <laughs> Max Williams, who had a really good game this past week. I don't know if I expect that to remain the case. He's not exactly the most dynamic athlete and has been around for a while and has never been that good. But he has 94 yards on the year. Chase Edmonds has caught nine balls for 72 yards and has been averaging five and a half yards per carry on the ground. Rondale Moore is their leading receiver. Just a wildly talented group. I'm going to shout out one of my own guys here, all right? And we've talked about him plenty of times in the history of this show. But I just have to say, Devin Singletary has been like a different guy this year and hasn't had an insane amount of touches, but he's averaging 6.4 yards a carry, has 154 yards on the ground. And this is a guy who last year... I was like, okay, sure, he's shifty, and he can change direction, but he's not a crazy explosive athlete. He doesn't always hit the hole. He's not a super powerful back. And so I was like, I feel like that's a place we need to upgrade. And right now, I don't feel that way. He's making good decisions as a runner. He is using that dynamic change in direction and elusiveness that sort of does make him stand out. And the guy's just kind of balling out. So... I'm very impressed by him right now and very optimistic about what he can do for this Buffalo run game because that was obviously a glaring weakness for this team last year, and growth there would be a very big deal. Yeah. I'm... Excellent take. Hey, thanks, man. Why don't we just keep going back and forth and giving each other congrats on great takes here? No, of course. Uh, great take. Thanks, bro. Excellent take. It means a lot. Yeah, I mean, that's a good All one. Right, my fi- <laughs> You're killing me, bro. My final guy, Kendrick Green, dude. Great take. <laughs> No, phenomenal take. Carson, I haven't even given it yet. I love it. you got to let it breathe. Look, dude, I've heard you talk about Kendrick Green enough to know the take, and I love it. <laughs> Let's talk about some pole blocking. Great take. Great <laughs> Thanks, take, man. Dude, the Steelers' O-line has blown this year completely in the run game, in the pass game, but yes, on screens, on tosses, on on, on pole blocking. Thank you for taking those words from me, Carson. Great take. Um, <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Kendrick Green is the future at center for this team. I'm so glad he's rocking 53. Um, you know, just right over from Marquise Pouncey. Because he is, man. He does the exact, the exact same things that Keese does. He's so agile. He's so good at getting out on, on those plays. Like, the Steelers cannot run anything between the tackles, but on counters, on tosses, on screens. Kendrick Green gets out there every time. He's one of the fastest centers I've ever seen, the most agile. He's great with his hands. And he's one of the best guys in just, like, 
pass-blocking scenarios for the Steelers. Virtually everybody else has sucked on this offensive line. I'm not going to give credit to anybody else. But Kendrick Green is the future uh, at center for this team, and he is, in my opinion, one of the best young centers in the NFL. I love this kid, and while everybody is consistently taking dumps on the Steeler line, they are not giving credit to anybody. Kendrick Green deserves his credit. He deserves his flowers. So I'm going to give them to him here on Nerd Sesh. There you go. Kendrick Green Sesh, what you guys were all waiting for. We're going to take a very quick break. On the other half of it, we are going to preview some of the things that stand out to us in this upcoming week, some of the key games, some key players maybe making some debuts. You'll hear all that in just a moment. You're listening to Blaze Radio on blazeradioonline.com. All right, all right, all right. Welcome, everybody, back into Nerd Sesh. Hope you enjoyed that brief break. So as we said, now we're into the preview segment of the show. All right, we've got a lot of good stuff to talk about, but I think maybe the most exciting individual player storyline is that we're going to see Justin Fields get his first start out there this week. Now, we already saw him start the majority of a game because of Andy Dalton's injury this past week, but how do you think he does in his first career start in the big leagues versus the Browns? Oh, I think he balls out. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I think if people didn't watch the game last week, you know, I think you could take away that it wasn't impressive from Fields, that, you know, he didn't look good. Whatever, dude. I was imp- I was really impressed with Justin Fields yeah. in this first game. Like, mm-hmm. Uh, his numbers would have looked better. There were a lot of drops from his receivers in that game. Um, the pressure did get home on him, but he dealt with it well. He rolled out of the pocket. He looked he looked poised and confident in a different way than I haven't seen from some of these other rookie quarterbacks, Carson. Mm-hmm. Maybe, a, <coughs> excuse me, Zach Wilson. Are you talking about Zach Wilson? Uh, I may or may not be talking about the kid from BYU. Uh, Excellent Zach, take. Zach Wilson. Excellent um, take. Dude, Justin Fields is just, he's game ready, man. He is a gamer. He is... He's prepared. He throws a beautiful football. Like, I love, I think Justin Fields is the QB of the future here for for Chicago. And directly on this game, Browns, 23rd against the pass this season. A lot of turnover. I'm not saying they aren't talented in this secondary. A lot of turnover has caused some issues here to start out for them, you know, in, uh, in why they've struggled against the pass this year. And there's whole, like, again, they're not completely untalented, but there's, there's a lot of new faces here on this defense, and again, there's a reason why I expected this defense to struggle. I expect this to be a really competitive game. I think the spread, what was it, seven points? Yeah. Are you kidding me? With this Browns defense? And you're giving me money. Like, I expect Justin Fields to have a massive game here. And I expect this Bears defense to hold up their end of the bargain to give them a chance to win this game. Like, maybe expecting a win in his first game against a Cleveland Browns offense like this is a little... A little over the line, but I don't think it is, man. I, I expect this to be a super competitive game. I expect Fields to engineer this offense at a really high level. And if these wideouts can just cut down on their drops, I expect a huge game from him, man. I'm, I'm all in on Fields. Yeah. Look, I think that he was regarded as the second-best quarterback prospect in this draft for a reason. He is. And I thought there was a lot to take away that was impressive from his debut. First of all, he just throws a pretty ball. And... The placement was off, maybe on a couple throws, a couple could have been a little high, but he also had some really nice ones, and is just generally a good decision maker. Like, you touched on it. That dude is facing pressure, and although he can very much make plays with his feet, and did so in several impressive instances, he's a guy who wants to hang in the pocket and is willing to do that first and foremost. And it ended up leading to one fumble from him, because he probably hung in there for a little bit too long. But overall, I think that's a positive sign that he's not getting rattled, that he's not flustered, and he's like, hey, I'm going to make my reads, I'm going to make my throws, but I also have this option to be this killer on the ground. So 
I thought he was super impressive. Now, the interception that he threw was really Hmm. quite atrocious. Really quite atrocious and could have been a pick six if he had thrown it to a little bit of a faster player. But I agree with you. The line is up to seven and a half right now. I think that's too many points. And I think that this Bears team has talent. And I thought they were going to be an eight or nine win group if Justin Fields was at the helm. Because defensively, Mm -hmm. I like what they can do. And offensively, I just think he's so much more dynamic than an Andy Dalton. And by the way, is not a guy who's going to make a ton of mistakes, you wouldn't think. Certainly didn't do it in college. Is generally a good decision maker. Is a good pocket presence. Like all these things... Just make you think, hey, he's going to be pretty solid out of the gate, except for maybe the offensive line in front of him. But I still have faith. I think he plays a good game. I wouldn't pick the Bears to win outright mm-hmm. because that Browns offense is pretty darn good, and that's a lot to put on a rookie's shoulders in his first career start. But I expect a competitive game and a good overall showing from Justin Fields. So let's look at the game of the week here because we have what I think we believe are right up there for the two best teams in football and the two best teams in the NFC. Bucks rams We both had the Rams going to the Super Bowl. I think most people would have the Bucks going to the Super Bowl. But what can we learn from this game? Do we see somebody establish themselves as the best team in football? What are you looking for with this one? Um, I'm, looking in for, I'm looking for the Rams to get a... I'm looking in. Man, I'm going to add that to the English Dictionary. Um, I'm looking for the Rams to open up this game hot. And what I mean Mm. by that is opening with a TD. They've opened their first two games with a TD drive. Last game we saw between these two teams, Jared Goff led this team down the field. I think the Rams also need this hot start, Carson. Like, Mm -hmm. um, the Bucs, I mean, as everybody knows, man, the Bucs are undefeated since week 12 of last year. They, they, that was an ugly game that they played against Matt Ryan. Like, they made Matt Ryan Mm -hmm. look foolish on those two pick sixes. Um, After they let him back into the game, though. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Uh, I mean, they just closed out so well, though. Yeah. And look, I think we can learn a lot uh, from Matthew Stafford in this offense. Again, these are the two top scoring teams in the NFL. Uh, Bucks 39.5 through two weeks. Rams 30.5 through two weeks. And Stafford and this offense have looked, you know, damn near unstoppable. Mm-hmm. The Bucks have allowed the third most passing yards through two weeks. Now, I want to contextualize. The, the stat is like this because they've gotten out to such commanding leads over the Cowboys and the Falcons, and, you know, the teams have needed to throw themselves back in this game. Uh, the Cowboys will not so much. It was kind of back and forth a little more. But, again, teams had to throw themselves back in these games. So I think that number's a little skewed. Mm-hmm. But it does point out if there's any weakness in this defense, it is going to be um, It's going to be with this secondary. It is going to be through the air. And what, again, Carson, I, I ask you, what team has been more dominant through the air through two weeks than the, than the Rams? Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford have dominated. Mm-hmm. Uh, this offense looks clever. It looks like Matthew Stafford has picked up this offense you know, faster than any quarterback going to a different team than I've ever seen. So if we can learn one thing from this, it is what can Matthew Stafford do against a Super Bowl contender and what can he do against a, a team that they're likely going to run into in the playoffs and it's just one of the best defenses in the league. And I, I do expect this running attack to, to kind of be slowed down, too, for the Rams. You know, what can mm. he do? I, kind of what he did in Detroit. What can he do without a running game? I think we can learn everything we need to know about the Rams' Super Bowl chances in this game because they lie on the shoulders of Matthew Stafford. Yeah, I really like everything that you said there. And I think that you're probably correct. We don't know if Henderson is going to play for the Rams but regardless, it's just really, really, really hard to run the ball on the Bucks, And that has been fundamental to 
L.A. Rams football for a while and maybe hasn't been the most important thing for them this year, but they've still been okay there. They haven't been great. It hasn't been really necessary because they haven't so dynamic moving the ball through the air, but I think we see them establish that more as the year goes on. So I think that you're right in seeing how can they produce against a really good but flawed Bucks defense, and I would also like to see even within that maybe a little bit more spreading out of the ball Mm -hmm. to these Rams receiving options. And really, who is going to step up as that next guy other than Cooper Cup? And I think, obviously, over the year as a whole, it's going to be Robert Woods. If he's not a 1,000-yard receiver, I'd be surprised. But the disparity between Cooper Cup's productivity and everybody else right now is so vast. And there are other real weapons here. Tyler Higby has been fine. He had a good week one, but he could arguably get involved a little bit more. Deshaun Jackson is a guy who could get involved more. So... There's just a whole lot of talent here, and it doesn't feel right to me right now that Cooper Cup has 271 yards <laughs> and Robert Woods has 91. And he has had some incredible big plays. The guy's just balled out all around. He's got three touchdowns. He's regularly getting behind the defense entirely. That's great. And it's great that they have that natural chemistry. But for this offense to be maximally productive, I would like to see more guys produce on the perimeter. But really, that's probably kind of nitpicking, dude. Like, these teams are both so talented. From the Bucks, I don't know if there's one thing we can point out and say we need to see that. You know, a strong performance from the secondary would be meaningful. A really good run game would be very meaningful because this is a Rams defense that was so great against the run last year. Hasn't been as strong in that respect this year. I don't know if that's a long-term concern, but if the Bucks can run the ball at a really high level, then boy, oh boy, that team is just all around so, so strong. So there's little things to gauge there, but really this just feels to me like sort of a clash for NFL supremacy at this juncture. Yeah, oh, I, definitely. And uh, I want I want to expand on the point um, uh, that you made about Cooper Cup too. Uh, Carson, there is a there is a gaping hole uh, in this Buccaneers secondary through two weeks, and, and his name is Ross Cockrell, a former Steeler and Bill. Fun fact: Now uh, the Buccaneers uh, secondary should be getting you know fully healthy or relatively uh, close to. Dude, Cockrell has been horrible mm-hmm. like he has been horrible in coverage this season so if i'm the rams dude if they give him any snaps at all because honestly i think he's played himself off of the field through two weeks if i'm the rams dude i am trying to run pre-play motion i am trying to run it with cup with woods with van jefferson with tyler higby whoever cockerel is on the field whoever play you know whoever's route is the go-to mm-hmm. i am moving them to that side of the field and i am picking on cockerel in coverage every time he's on the field because mm-hmm. He just sucks. Like, plain and simple. And if it's Cooper Cup drawing that matchup, yeah. I expect him to eat. Excellent take. Negative take, but an excellent take nonetheless. So, this is going to be a fun one. And right now, the Rams are favored by one and a half. That feels appropriate to me. Give the Bucks the benefit of the doubt and say that, sure, they're probably the better team. Or, excuse me, the Bucks are favored by a point and a half. Has that line moved that much? I thought the Rams were favored initially. No, I'm pretty sure the Bucks have been favored this, this well, entire time. There you go. Shows how much I know. I think that's disrespectful to the Rams then. I think at home they should be a favorite. And you know what? Give me that. What? Why are you looking at me like that? We're huge Rams guys. Why are we being scared? Dude, they haven't. The Bucs have literally not lost since week 12 of 2020. Why Rams, wouldn't they be favored? Well, the Rams are undefeated with Matthew Stafford. Good for them. Well, I'm just saying. They're undefeated with Matthew Stafford. Through two weeks. They're und- Have they lost? Have, have, the they Bucks, lo- have the Bucs lost since week 12? 
I think that's I think that's way more impressive. Seems arbitrary. Concede concede the argument for once. Concede the argument. It was a joke argument, wise yeah, okay. guy. Okay. You know what? All those excellent takes I gave you, redacted. Redacted. I can't believe you do this on this show. All right. Let's talk about Zach Wilson. Speaking of excellent <sighs> takes, you know what? We're just gonna do this every single show. You're gonna think you're some wise guy and say something smart and say, eh, look at me, I'm a smart Alec. And then we're going to talk about Zach Wilson, Logan. Offensive Rookie of the Year, Zach Wilson. Rookie passing touchdown record, Zach Wilson. Oh, man. A third straight tough defense. Ooh, maybe the best secondary in football. Ooh, Denver Broncos. Yikes. How does he do? Probably pretty bad, huh? He'll probably struggle. What do you think, Logan? Dude, if we were, like, you know, shooting this not in the radio studio, I would be walking off set right now. I'm infuriated. Zach Wilson's gonna get his—he's gonna get destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> nice voice crack, dude. That was yeah. sick, dude. And not only is playing at Mile High, uh, you know, a really—it's hard. It's super tough going to Denver at any point, playing in conditions like this. Carson, since 2011, rookie QBs are four and five, and it's—it's it's mostly because they went up against some really, you know, top-notch talent in 2018. It had Case Keenum at the helm as to why that was, you know. Uh, you know why it's closer to 500. I want to ask you, do you know who those four quarterbacks are? A little bit of a trivia time real quick. The four rookie quarterbacks to win in mile high? Since 2011. Patrick Mahomes. No, he was. Yes, correct. Well, I counted his second season oh, okay. as his, his rookie so, so year. So first year starters. Yes. Uh, Justin Herbert? Correct. I'm just thinking about AFC West, guys. One from, uh, one from 2019 and one from 2018. One from 2019 and one from 2018. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Josh Allen? Not Josh Allen. Lamar Jackson? That's a good guess. I'd think a little... uh, Baker Mayfield? Baker Mayfield is the other one, and there's one more from 2019. Daniel Jones, you know, Kyler Murray that year. Yeah, Daniel Jones and the boys. Probably Daniel Jones. No. That was a joke. Who is it? It's Gardner Minshew. But no, still, of course. I mean, it's That's it's lie, son of a gun. It is really hard to play here. And again, as you touched on, Carson, it's accentuated by how great this secondary has been. Kareem Jackson, Bryce Callahan, Kyle Fuller, Patrick Sertain. I mean, all of these guys have been shut down this year. They were shut down last year in their situations. Mm-hmm. And the addition of Fuller and Sertain make them deadly, coupled with this pass rush. Again, man, it is just... This is a nightmare scenario for Zach Wilson, Carson. And again, like I don't know how things can get worse from last week when you throw four interceptions against a defensive mastermind that is Bill Belichick in the awesome Patriots secondary, things could get a lot worse for Zach Wilson in this game, man. Mm-hmm. I, like, I... Dude, I wonder if he throws a touchdown. I wonder if the Jets get on the board. I I expect a complete and utter sh- shutting down of this Jets offense. I, I don't expect him to play well at all, and I expect Zach Wilson to... You can't replace him. He's going to be, again, I said this, you don't have a backup quarterback on the roster that you could even replace him with. It's going to be a long day at the office for Zach Wilson, man. Yeah. And this is just such a brutal start because we've talked a good bit about him now and some of his deficiencies, but you put him in a suboptimal situation in New York to begin with, and then you throw him up against three probably top 10 defenses in football in his first three weeks. Not exactly ideal. And that Broncos pass defense, sure, they haven't exactly had the stiffest competition. It's been Danny Dimes and rookie Trevor Lawrence thus far. But they're holding opposing teams to 51% completion, 194 yards per game, and two touchdowns to two picks through the couple of games that we have seen them. And this is not tougher competition than that. So 
maybe you could say that if the Broncos don't get a ton of pressure, Zach Attack can find a way, but he's not going to have a lot of opportunities to throw to open guys. And what concerns me is he does have that tendency mm-hmm. to just force it and to just throw it up there. And if you've got dudes who are clamping and who can make plays on the ball really everywhere in this Denver secondary, yikes, might be another two to three interception game for Zach Attack. No, I don't even think might be. That's my official prediction, dude. Yeah. I'm, I'm banging that, that over two picks. I love it. I hope that you just become the most radically anti-Zach Wilson guy in America. How can I not? Yeah, it's he phenomenal. He burnt me. He burnt me completely, bro. Two weeks in, you've declared that he burnt you. Yes, he's burnt me. Bro, I ta- I said this kid was going to break the touchdown record. He's way closer to breaking the rookie interception record. I still think there are many worlds in which he's a good quarterback in this league. Yeah, and you got to put an O line in front of it. Like, sure, there's just not in week three of his rookie year, but hey, he does some special stuff out there every once in a while. Again, as I said on last show, I'm just worried that the Jets are going to ruin him mentally and confidence wise, and that could be the ultimate de- demise of Zach Wilson's career. You know, he, he's so confident though, Carson. Like, bro, I, I don't know, dude. There's like, how long can you have that confidence when you're getting beat up like this in? Hey, and, Sam Darnold has found a way to be at least a starting quarterback somewhere else. Sometimes you just got to let him I, I go. Hope, I hope it works. All right. Well, here you go. We're rooting for Zach Wilson at the very least. Let's stay in the AFC here. One last matchup to talk about. We have the clash for the AFC South. Titans-Colts. Both teams who have had sort of mixed results thus far. Some good, some bad. What can we expect to learn from this one? I mean, we're going to learn if, if the Colts... You know, are, are a genuine playoff contender. They've had a tough two weeks here. Um, you know, playing against the the Rams and the Seahawks. There's two tough draws, and I, I think there, there's two really things that we can that, that we can learn. Again, if, if they're a playoff contender, if they can just whoop up on the Titans, they have to. This Colts offense has to look better against a defense like this. The Colts have got to put up twenty, you know, twenty four plus points. They've got to, and if they don't, then we need to push the panic button on this Colts offense. And Carson, something else I think we need to learn. Is Carson Wentz just going to be just completely reckless when it comes to pressure? Like, dude, mm-hmm. this pass rush is going to get home. Bud Dupree and them are going to put pressure on Carson Wentz. And what we have seen when he is pressured, dude, a lot of the issues from this last season have persisted. You know, I mean, like, uh, we talked a lot about the footwork and the mechanics behind Carson Wentz and why he was struggling and the confidence issues. Carson Wentz is an all-time confident, it looks like, in this Colts offense. But it's also at an all-time, like, recklessness, dude. Well, I don't know if it's as bad as last year. Yeah, maybe not as, but there's still... Last year, he had a wild yeah. look in his eyes. There's still a modicum of recklessness that we have seen in this offense, dude. The the rolling out of the pocket, the, the taking just unnecessary deep shots in double coverage. And granted, some of these have worked out, but they're not good decisions. You know, they're, he's forcing balls. Um, I just, I'm I'm worried that that this recklessness is going to persist here uh, in Indianapolis. That's what we have to see, Pint. We have to see him reel in that recklessness, but still put together a great offensive showing. And if we don't see that against Tennessee, against a defense like this, we need to be worried, man, because this is it's, it's going to be one of the worst defenses he plays all year long. Yeah. Well, first of all, he just better play. He better be healthy. Yeah, I, also that. He's practicing today, but if we see Jacob Eason out there, the Colts are 0-3, and their season is teetering on being over. Like, 
of course, it sounds wild to say, but we know what all the precedents are. Really, really hard to start in a hole like that and dig yourself out of it. Even though we knew this was going to be the toughest stretch of Indy's schedule and all that, you can't go 0-3. So they need him to be healthy. But yeah, I completely agree because the Titans' defense is really, really bad. All right, I think we can agree on that. That's overwhelmingly the secondary, though. They have actually gotten pressure this year, and that pass rush has significantly improved. In fact, I think that they're like sixth in pressure rate. So although it doesn't feel like, oh, they're this overwhelming pass rush, they've been at the very least solid there. And their run defense has been fine. It's been pretty much average. So you are going to need Carson Wentz to make smart decisions, perhaps while under pressure even, but knowing that, hey, Guys can't cover in that secondary, and if I can just buy myself a little time or if I can make this throw, make this read, we can put up a whole lot of points. We'll see if he can do that, though, because he's been fine through two weeks, and maybe if they find a way to win that Rams game, we look at this all differently, but that's not what happened, and so now the pressure is on, and you have to execute. For Tennessee, I don't know. I just want to see them hold the team to below 30 points. Actually, I don't because one of my takes was that they would have a bottom 20 defense of all time. But good grief, man. Like, if they can't get any stops this week and if they're in another 30-something to 30-something shootout, it's like this is just what we're going to see all year from this team. The defense is just going to be miserable. I mean, if there's something that we can expect, you know, potentially from that Titan side, and I want to get to our last game here, uh, Bills football team, if the Colts can somehow, again, great rush defense last year, if they can slow down Derrick Henry, you know, limit him to basically, you know, 70 or under yards, mm-hmm. which I think is reasonable, we're going to have to see if Ryan Tannehill can do it without him. Because in the playoffs, when Derrick Henry wasn't going and the track record, when Derrick Henry isn't going, Ryan Tannehill has trouble being an, a league average passer. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there's something that I think we can also look forward to. If Derrick Henry doesn't get going, Ryan Tannehill has to prove he can do it himself. All right, so both of our lock of the week is the Colts to cover plus five. Very much hope that Wentz is healthy to make that happen. Just for the record, I was 12-4 and four against the spread last week. Pretty good. Logan, you were above 500 as well. I got a little four-game lead on you right now, but I'm 0-2 in my locks of the week. So you know what? I'll probably be wrong about that. So maybe don't put your money down on that. Just put your money down on every other pick. Bill's football team, real quick. I will be there, which will be fun. Opportunity for Josh to rally to see if he can correct some of those accuracy things and do it at home in front of a very excited crowd. Anything stand out to you about that game? Yeah, I mean, it's it's if Josh Allen can right the ship at home against a against a tough defense. I, this defense has not looked that tough, though, this season, yep. Carson. And the reason I expect him to turn this around, the Buffalo Bills were one of the best third-down de- uh, offenses in the league last year. The... Uh, the football team is 30th and third down uh, on you know defensively yep. this season, so I expect this Bills team to stay on the uh, stay on the field long and for Allen to kind of feast against them. This secondary has looked porous. I expect a massive, massive game uh, for you to watch. Uh, I expect Josh Allen to carve it up, uh, carve up this team in front of you, Carson. Yeah, I just think you said it. The secondary is too bad, and the pass rush is not going to be good enough to compensate. And Josh needs to play a good game because you can't have three straight rough ones to start off the year. And I think that he does. So there you have it. There is all of our thoughts, all of our preview content. You can go ahead and see our picks for each individual game this week on our social media. Twitter, at nerd underscore sesh. Instagram, at nerd sesh. TikTok is at nerd sesh as well. And you can also just find our content on our YouTube channel. We live stream a couple pods a week there. We also do some specific video essay breakdown content there. I will have a video up tomorrow morning. You can all go ahead and check out. If you're listening on the podcast, maybe it has already come out. You can listen to us there in audio form on Spotify, Apple, 
wherever you get that content. And with that, as always, I've been Carson Braver. I have been Logan Camden. And this was Nerd Session.